Hey guys, I'm Diego Ochoa, and welcome to Faithful Coverage. This is your podcast to receive news, rumors, predictions, and recaps for your San Francisco 49ers. Now let's begin. In today's episode, I'll be giving my review of the game, highlighting what determined the outcome of this game, and which matchups decided the game. And also, we have some big injury reports and trades. In this Week 8 matchup, the Seattle Seahawks took a 37-27 victory over our San Francisco 49ers. So I'm going to be going over three factors that decided this game, in my opinion. Wasted offensive opportunities, quarterback pressure, and momentum. Let's start off with the wasted opportunities on offense. So this was after a DK Metcalf touchdown with three minutes to go in the first half. The 49ers have two timeouts and a two-minute warning. This is plenty of time to kick a field goal or even score a touchdown, and we needed that badly. So, we're second and seven with one minute and 49 seconds to go, and we still have two timeouts. Shanahan made a terrible play call, in my opinion, that was snuffed by the defense. Jimmy G rolls out right like he's throwing it underneath to Kittle, but the actual play is to throw the ball across the field for a screen. This led to a tackle for loss. And the clock kept running, so we had to use a timeout for a third and long situation. The next play, the Seahawks sent a six-man blitz, and Jimmy G is sacked by Bobby Wagner. Then we had to punt it away, and we wasted an opportunity to score and get some momentum leading into the second half. A score on that drive could have been game-changing for us, but instead, it changed the game for the Seahawks. Another example is, we got the ball first in the third quarter, and we needed to score desperately. We had no momentum, it's like we were stuck. Our offense had no rhythm and we couldn't drive down the field. We're down 13-7. We had a quick 3 and out for the first possession of the third quarter and didn't gain any of that momentum. And you know what this leads to? This leads to a Seahawks drive down the field for a touchdown to the running back DJ Dallas. Another example that we could take away from our stagnant offense was a Jimmy G interception. This was early in the game. It's another prime example of how this led to momentum for the Seahawks. We're inside the Seahawks side of the 50, and we have an opportunity to get more points on the board. Jimmy throws a bad ball right behind Kittle, terrible throw, and it's picked off. The Seahawks gain momentum from this, and they score on a DK touchdown that drive after. This stagnant San Francisco offense led to momentum for the other team, and it led to their offense being able to get quick points on the board, and it took the game away from San Francisco. The offense had virtually no confidence, no fluidity. It was just a constant dead end every single possession. One of the main reasons of why our offense was so stagnant was because of the quarterback pressure that the Seattle Seahawks brought. They really got Jimmy G out of his comfort zone, I mean, he already was. He has a sprained ankle, and you can tell he's not 100%. So, the Seahawks brought out five and six-man blitzes right off the jump. Just like last year's matchups, they continue to pressure Jimmy G. And I think this is a common thing that defenses do against Jimmy G. This led to sacks, pressures, errant throws, and quick dump-offs for short games. We couldn't get a game-changing play. Everything was short, quick, or was an error. Jimmy G was held to 11 for 16, 84 yards, and one interception. 
before he had to exit the game with an ankle injury. He couldn't get anything going. Our offensive line was not able to pick up any blitzes, and they made a horrible defensive line look solid. Bobby Wagner was their MVP with six tackles, five assisted tackles, two sacks. Man, he was killing us. There was even one play where he just bull rushed over Mike McGlinchey and a running back at the same time, and it was bad. I don't know what was, what was wrong with our offensive line. You know, last episode, I was talking about how our offensive line was starting to gain their chemistry. They looked great. They were creating holes. They were giving Jimmy G enough time. But man, this game, it's like we fell off the ladder. We were climbing all the way up, and we fell right back down. I don't know what happened. We weren't playing a super talented defensive line, but... They just couldn't pick up those blitzes, and it was bad. I don't know what's happening to our offensive line. It seems like we have no chemistry again. Hopefully we can bounce back against Packers' defensive line. But, you know, they got some bad brothers out there too. They got the Smith brothers, so we got to watch out for them. As terrible as our passing game looked, our rush game was also terrible. Both sides of the offense just couldn't get anything done. We had 49 total rushing yards from our backs. From one of the best rushing offenses in the league, I think we're ranked 11th. I think it's just because they were completely canceling out the run game, and they made us throw, and obviously we couldn't throw. Our offense was just stuck. Our offensive line just couldn't control the game for us, and we had no effective rushing, and this couldn't open up the field on play action, so we were virtually shut down. Moving on from those game-changing factors, let's take a look at the matchup that I highlighted in the last episode. Man, was I wrong? I mean... I'm talking about the Metcalf versus Emmanuel Mosley matchup. And DK Metcalf, man, he's a monster. This man won this matchup by a landslide. 12 receptions, 161 yards, and two touchdowns. He was just too big, too physical, and fast as hell. He was burning Mosley on the deep ball, embodying him on the inside routes. I mean, he turned a 10-yard curl route into a 30-yard touchdown. He ran from one side of the field across to the other, and nobody even touched him. He's just a different specimen, and he's very elite. That wide receiver duo CL has is very, very elite. I mean, Lockett didn't have much, but if you look on the other side of the field, DK Metcalf, he just torched our secondary, He found the holes in the zone. He beat Mosley one-on-one in man coverage. There just wasn't an answer for him at the end of the day. Moving on now, let's take a look at the small glimpses of hope, the small bright lights, and this terrible loss. So Mullins, Nick Mullins, he had three drives, which led to three touchdowns. One was a one-yard rush to McKinnon. Another was... A throw to Dwelly, 
And then Ayuk had himself a three-yard touchdown. I mean, Mullins, he's an interesting quarterback. I mean, at least he had some confidence out there. And he was moving the chains. Maybe the Seattle defense kind of took the foot off the pedal. But, I mean, he looked all right. And he had some great connections to Kendrick Bourne. So we'll see what he does for the next couple of weeks. But when he was out there, he looked pretty good. Now, he was a small bright light in that terrible loss. But, yeah, he looked he looked decent. And then some other small bright lights were Ayuk, eight receptions, 91 yards, and a touchdown. He's just a stud. Um, I'm really glad that we picked him up in the draft. And he has a bright future ahead of him. And hopefully he can put up some numbers for the next couple of weeks and prove what he's got to the league. And then on the other side of the field, Kendrick Bourne, eight receptions, 81 yards. Uh, he had some good connections with Nick Mullins, and he also had a good connection with Jimmy G earlier in the game, which led to a touchdown. He had a out route for like 15 yards on the sideline, and then this led to a, a hasty touchdown. So yeah, both of them look solid, and hopefully they can continue that. Okay, so we started off with sad, now we're back to happy, and then now we're going back to sad. So this morning we had two, three big reports, two injuries and one trade. So the first one, this is some bad news guys, Kittle is out with at least eight weeks with a small fracture in his foot. I didn't know that injury was going to be that bad. He had a catch on the sideline, good catch. And he came hobbling off the field. He did it himself. He had no help. So I thought it was going to be, you know, maybe a sprain. Um, they did x-rays. It was reported that he had nothing broken in his foot. And then due to further testing, they found a small fracture in his foot. And he's going to be out for eight weeks, guys. That's pretty much the rest of the season. Terrible loss for our team. And... The injuries keep piling on. Our most talented players have all gotten injured at some point. And then Jimmy G, he's out indefinitely with an ankle injury. Man, this is terrible. I think he just got out, put out there too early. I think he had to have been if we need, if we had a chance for a playoff run, but. He just re-aggravated his ankle when he got sacked, I believe. And then he left the game early, so that's why Nick Mullins came in. But, yeah, he might be out a few weeks. Unclear if he needs surgery on any ligament in his ankle. But we won't be having him for a little bit. Jordan Reed, backup tight end. He played great against the Giants. He could make a return this Thursday against the Green Bay Packers, but if not, we'll have Ross Dwelly. He's He was a stud last year when Kittle was out. He had himself a couple touchdowns. Now, our final piece of sad slash terrible news is this morning, Quan Alexander has been traded to the New Orleans Saints for linebacker Kiko Alonso and a conditional fifth round pick. I wasn't really expecting this. He 
just gotten back to healthy. He's probably going to play this Thursday. But yeah, he was just always injured for the most part. He was out last year with some torn biceps, I believe. And then this year is ankle. So we got a big contract off the off the payroll. We're going to miss him. I mean, he brought the vibes to the San Francisco 49ers. He was really the heart and soul of our defense last year. And he's a great guy. Great player too. But he just has a struggle with keeping himself on the field and keeping himself healthy. So, 49er faithful. Probably going to miss him. But I think in the long run, it was probably the best decision to make for us. To clear up some cap. Hopefully make some signings in the future. And then this will also help us be able to play or be able to pay any guys who are coming off their rookie contracts. So that's all the bad news I have for you guys today. I have one last thing before I sign off. And this is a question for you guys. Do you guys think Jimmy G's time as a franchise quarterback is over? Is he worth the money? Should we keep rocking with him? Or should we draft a QB in this upcoming draft? So just give me your honest opinion if you want. You can DM me on Instagram or you can text me. And I might be highlighting your guys' responses in the next episode. The next episode will probably be Wednesday. I'll be giving my predictions for the Packers game. Hopefully we can pull a dub off. Well, it's looking unlikely with all these injuries. But with all these injuries, with all this doubt on our team, we got to stay faithful. And we got to support our team through the ups and downs. Hey, if this isn't our year, we'll be back next year. We'll be back healthy. But for right now, let's just keep watching some good football. And let's take a look at the bright spots on our team, like Ayuk. Fred Warner, and yeah, that's about it, guys. I hope you guys enjoy my recap of the Week 8 game, and I hope you learned a couple new things. And yeah, hopefully I'll be back to you guys on Wednesday so we can go over the Niners versus Packers on Thursday Night Football. That's going to be a good game. All right, until next time, faithful.